Welcome to Tech Mobility Topics. The frequency of extreme weather events coupled with a dire expectation that we will not be able to turn the corner on climate change in time to save the planet has a number of climate scientists looking at other ways to save it. Now, they call it so solar radiation management, and this is topic B. And boy, do I have questions. Let's start at the top for a minute. We have reported extensively on this program that climate change is real, that there needed to be a strong commitment in order to mitigate the increase in global temperatures, and that it was going to take 20 years of working very hard at it before we saw change. The problem with that 20 years is that it was going to be 20 years that you were not going to see the return or the effects of all the progress that needs to be made. However, at the end of that 20-year period, had we not made those strides, then it would be too late to you know, decide then that we needed to do something because it'd be too far out there. So basically, you needed some faith and some intestinal fortitude to do it for 20 years, realizing that you weren't going to see the impact right away. But if you didn't do it, that at the end, you would, and it would be too late. There's a group of science, climate scientists now that said, no, it's already too late, that we're not going to make it, that it's impossible to get to where we need to be and that they're painting a very different future. Here's one of the futures that they're painting. One version of a not-so-very-distant future would be specially engineered planes about the size of a Boeing 737 flying around to dim the sun's rays and cooling the planet by dispersing loads of molten sulfur and great mists across the sky. Hold it, stop, wait a minute. Molten sulfur in the sky to shield the earth from the sun's harmful rays and to maybe cool the planet. Okay. I have a problem with that before I even go any further. Molten sulfur in the atmosphere. Yeah, you might dim the planet, but what other environmental problems are you causing by doing that? Folks, two wrongs don't make a right. Trying to fight climate change by doing something else to change the uh, environmental or ecological condition of the planet? No. No. What they're talking about, to take this even further, eight specially engineered planes fly again and again into the stratosphere and disperse loads of this molten stuff and great mist across the sky. The planes repeat the trip thousands of times over the course of a year, creating a reflective blanket around the Earth meant to divert enough of the sun's heat to starve off the worst effects of global warming. The frequency of the flights in this future would gradually increase, continuously replenishing and fortifying the blanket to keep rising temperatures at bay. By year 15, a fleet of 95 planes would ascend from bases around the world 60,000 times a year. Now, these are not supposedly crackpot scientists. These are led by a pioneering team at Harvard who've been researching options like this in labs for years. And now, as the devastating tolls of climate-driven extreme weather mount and hopes dim that the world can move quickly enough to avoid catastrophic tipping points, the work is being thrust to the fore. I'm sorry, I can't get past the molten sulfur part. <laughs> 
and the fact that you're putting that in the air, what's it going to do to the health, uh, breathability of the air? Not to mention, if you've got all those planes in the air, let's talk about the logistics of just doing that. And uh, what fuel are they burning, by the way, that's also up there? And combining with the sulfur to do what? And how is this going to affect climate? Forget climate change. How is all that up there going to impact the climate? You know, uh, rain, snow cycles, wind, and all of that. We don't know. They don't know. I know we need to do something, and I'm all for that. But their take, uh, this group of 90 prominent climate scientists take on solar radiation management, which is what they're calling it, also known as solar geoengineering, they're pressing the button saying they're citing devastating impacts already threatened by the warming climate and grave threats to public health. Maybe, but it sounds like in this case that the cure is worse than the disease to me. And no doubt, I'm not alone here. A wave of critics have responded, pointing to the profound moral, political, and legal questions cascading from any effort they say could have vast unknown consequences and which represents an unprecedented human intervention in natural forces. And yeah, we always get it right, right? No, no, we don't. No, we don't. When we start meddling, whether we divert water or try to change something, it usually has an equal and opposite reaction that is not what we intended. Because when you start fooling around with the environment and nature, you're not necessarily going to get the results you had intended, and there's no room to even determine what unintended consequences could mean. Like, maybe it doesn't rain in the upper Midwest anymore. Maybe crops don't grow. Maybe this sulfur combines with something else, and we're back to acid rain. We had that problem in the Northeast with emissions from coal, from uh, coal-fired power plants. That is why we're burning natural gas now uh, at most power plants and why they're even trying to move away from that, for that very reason. Fought all this to get sulfur out of the air. They're talking about putting it back in the air. I'm sorry. I can't even get to the rest of this for trying to wrap that around my head. And the fact that they're talking about this fleet, who's going to pay for all of this? And assuming if they're got a fleet of 95 planes, 60 times, 60,000 times a year, who's going to pay for all that? And where is all this coming from? And not to mention, okay, molten sulfur in the air. It's not going to stay there. And it's going to combine with whatever else is up there. And what's that going to do? And is it going to have different outcomes for different parts of the planet with different chemical react chemical combinations in the air? Because the world is different. Temperatures are different. It's going to act differently in different parts of the planet. What's wind going to do? What's rain going to do? Snow, sleet, ice, wind. I understand the need to do something. I'm just not sure this is it. And in fact, the critics say there's a slippery slope and suddenly humankind is walking down the road with closed eyes to a new planet, which will be entirely geoengineered. And this is from Frank Berman, a political science researching global sustainability governance at uh, Urich University in the Netherlands. He helped lead an effort to urge international governments and the United Nations to adopt a solar geoengineering non-use agreement, which was supported by some other 400 other scholars and scientists. I don't, this sounds like a no-win to me. 
you know, I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but I don't think this is the right way. <clears throat> I, I, no. Now, they argue that they don't, they also say they don't intend for the technology, this molten sulfur in the air, to be seen as a substitute for aggressively slashing greenhouse emissions worldwide. But they also note that it's increasingly unlikely that the warming will be kept below the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold set by the Paris Agreement. I believe we're already 1.2 degrees now. Uh, yeah, we're already heading that way. I'm just not sure this is the cure. The cat is out the bag in terms of these options existing, so they're likely to be put on the table for consideration in the future. <laughs> Probably, hopefully not a future that I'm in, and they're talking about in the next 30 years. We are the Tech Mobility Show. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Kent Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. These days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. 